News, laws, and regulations are changing by the day. We get it. And at ADP, we're here to help guide you with up-to-the-minute compliance expertise so you can pay your people accurately and on time, regardless of what each new day may bring. Learn more at ADP.com. A potential drug treatment for the coronavirus is sparking hope despite mixed results. And with a recession all but certain, the Federal Reserve is pulling out all the stops to support the economy. We can do what we can do, and we will do it to the absolute limit of those powers. We will we'll keep at it, and uh, you, I just want people to know that we'll, we will be at it with, with the legal authorities that we have until we get through this thing. It's Wednesday, April 29th. I'm Anne-Marie Fertoli for The Wall Street Journal. Here's what's news. The stock market rallied a bit today on hopes of progress for a coronavirus drug treatment and after Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell made it clear the central bank is in no hurry to end its economic stimulus measures. All major indexes were up. We'll talk more about the Fed and the overall economy later in the show. With regards to that drug treatment, shares of Gilead Sciences closed up 5.7 percent after it reported that patients taking its antiviral drug remdesivir showed a speedier recovery than patients taking a placebo in a large study funded by the U.S. government. Our health reporter Joe Walker has more details. People have been watching this trial really closely because it's a large study comparing this drug to placebo. And it's sort of the gold standard for the way to do clinical trials. So the idea is we think that it's the first and best sort of look at whether this drug really works at treating COVID-19. And if it does, it could become the first drug proven to actually be effective against this disease. A separate study of the drug out of China posted negative results today. But researchers there say they needed more testing. Their trial was shut down early because it was hard to recruit subjects as the pandemic slowed. Analysts are still cautioning that the drug is unlikely to be a silver bullet. Obviously, it would be really great if this drug works in COVID-19. I, I think the expectation, though, at this point is that if it does work, it, it's not the type of thing that everybody would get if you got the virus. You know, it's an intravenously administered drug for people who are hospitalized. So it could really make a difference in, in helping people who are very, very sick. But, you know, it isn't sort of the um, it's not a vaccine. It's not a pill. So I would just, you know, say to take some caution there in terms of expectations for the magnitude of its impact. Corporations have been reporting first quarter earnings all week. Shares of Alphabet, Google's parent company, climbed nearly 10 percent after it posted strong results. Facebook shares rose more than 6 percent ahead of its earnings report, which came after the bell. Deputy business editor George Stahl says so far the impact of the coronavirus on business is largely falling into two main camps. Broadly speaking, we've seen stronger results from companies that service consumers in their homes. Netflix saw a surge in new subscribers to its streaming video service. Consumer product makers benefited from people stockpiling up on necessities. And even a company like Hasbro, which makes traditional board games like Connect Four, Monopoly, and Operation, reported a 25% jump in sales of such products. Not surprisingly, companies that we depend on when we leave the house have struggled. I'm talking about automakers, the airline industry, the tourism industry. And the question going forward is, how temporary are some of these shifts that we are seeing in consumer patterns and which may be longer lasting? 
Boeing's CEO says the pandemic dealt a body blow to its business. The aerospace giant burned through $4.7 billion in cash in the first quarter. That's less than analysts had expected, but Boeing is now planning to cut thousands of jobs, about 10 percent of its workforce, and take on more debt. The Trump administration has placed five of Amazon's foreign platforms on a list of notorious markets that the U.S. believes are facilitating the sale of counterfeit and pirated goods. That includes Amazon's domains in Canada, France, Germany, India and the U.K. Amazon is calling the designation a purely political act. President Trump has frequently criticized Amazon and its founder and chief executive, Jeff Bezos. Moxtra provides businesses with their own client interaction app for today's digital age. Your app will be a one-stop hub, keeping your clients in continuous connection with your business from anywhere. Manage your team to effectively respond to clients all from within your app. Get your one-stop app at Moxtra.com. The U.S. economy shrank in the first quarter by the fastest pace since the last recession. According to data from the Commerce Department, the GDP, which is the broadest measure of goods and services produced across the economy, contracted at a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 4.8 percent. Economists say that decline marks the beginning of a near-certain recession. That economic outlook was the backdrop for Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, who spoke at the conclusion of the Fed's two-day policy meeting. We can do what we can do, and we will do it to the absolute limit of those powers. We will we'll keep at it, and uh, you, I just want people to know that we'll, we will be at it with, with the legal authorities that we have until we get through this thing. Joining me now with more is our economics reporter, Harriet Torrey. Harriet, let's start with GDP, which shrank 4.8 percent in the first quarter. That's a significant amount, and some economists say that it indicates pretty certainly the beginning of a recession. Can you put this in context for us? Yeah, so the first quarter runs from January to March, and we only really saw the coronavirus start to spread in the U.S. um, significantly in March, and the economy really shut down essentially for the last two to three weeks. So we're talking about a very small sliver of the first quarter, but nonetheless, the impact was absolutely enormous. We saw a huge drop in spending by consumers, particularly on services. And services spending makes up a huge, it makes up nearly half of GDP. So we're talking about a big part of the economy. And this is everything, you know, this is spending on doctor's visits, this is spending on legal advice, it's spending on haircuts. It's a huge part of the economy and it just collapsed. Uh, social distancing, you know, really put the wind up people and they um, they really held off on spending um, outside of the home. We did see some increases in spending, for instance, on food. You know, people were stockpiling, so they were spending a bit, but we've just seen this huge loss of in confidence that people had in, in going out and spending money. And that is really the lifeblood of the U.S. economy. We're also hearing that it's likely to get even worse in the second quarter, right? That's right, because the second quarter started in April and we're now nearly at the end of April and the economy has been essentially shut down for the entire month and is likely to be, I mean, some states are beginning to reopen, but we're talking about reopening on, you know, a more limited scale. A lot of restaurants, for instance, are operating at reduced capacity. Places only want a few people to come into the store or into the salon at a time in order to maintain um, some kinds of social distancing. So I think most people think it's unlikely that we're going to 
see, you know, sports stadiums full of people at concerts and and festivals and sporting events um, in the coming weeks. So it does look like the hit in the well, you know, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell said that this is um, we're going to see data in the second quarter unlike any data we've ever seen. Let's turn to the Federal Reserve, which has been taking action already to shore up the economy in ways it's rarely done before. Today, the Fed said it's prepared to take aggressive action. Here's Fed Chair Jerome Powell. We are deploying these lending powers to an unprecedented extent, enabled in large part by the financial backing and support from Congress and the Treasury. We will continue to use these powers forcefully, proactively, and aggressively until we're confident that we are solidly on the road to recovery. Harriet, tell us more about the Fed's plan here and what they're going to be doing going forward. Well, essentially, Jerome Powell is saying that the Fed is is prepared to do whatever it can in order to support the economy. But another point that he made um, at his press conference was that the, the depth and duration of the economic downturn, this is very uncertain. And it will also depend in large part on how quickly the virus is brought under control. And he made very clear that that, is, that will depend on policy actions taken at all levels of government. There are things that the Fed can do, particularly to ensure that liquidity is continuing to flow, that, that businesses and, and markets are functioning correctly. Correct Correctly. And of course, it pulled rates down to the zero lower bound in March. So, you know, it's, it's using all of its ammo because, you know, the Fed is, is keen to meet its objectives. But one thing that the Fed chairman did say today was that, A, it's very uncertain. We don't know how long this is going to last. You know, many economists think that this will be, we'll see these big downturns in the first and the second quarters and that things will start to pick up in the second half of the year. And that could well happen because, as Powell said today, this, the, you know, the sudden stop in economic activity was, exogenous shock. This wasn't due to, you know, the financial markets seizing up or some issue or some bubble. This was simply done to protect people from the virus. So all things being well, you know, perhaps if people feel confident enough to to go out and go back to work and go back to sort of spending at malls and restaurants, then economic activity could recover very quickly. But he did say that, that there are a lot of ifs in that scenario. Right. And he did talk a little bit about the path ahead in the second quarter. This time now is going to be a time of sharp contraction in economic activity, high unemployment, uh, personal consumption expenditures have declined sharply, business investment as well, unemployment moved up. Um, We're going to see economic data for the second quarter that's worse than any data we've seen for the economy. And they're a direct consequence of the disease and the measures that we're taking to protect ourselves from it. Harriet, it sounds like it's going to be a tough few months. Yeah, and economists are definitely steeding themselves for some record-breaking declines in GDP and also, unfortunately, perhaps even some record-breaking increases in unemployment. We have the April jobs report coming next week and it's expected to sort of be in the, in the double digits uh, for the first time in a decade and could be even higher. So the downturn is extremely severe. I mean, Powell said it's unlike anything that he's seen in his lifetime. However, looking forward, we had this news today and yet markets have been rallying because there are sort of signs of, you know, signs that there might be potential cures out there. And the fact that some states are getting back to work is perhaps an indication that that we're kind of over the worst. Um, That's, of course, a big if. There could be a second wave, a third wave. We just don't know the the course of the virus. But um, people are already sort of starting to look ahead and to, to try and figure out what the economy's recovery is going to look like. Wall Street Journal economics reporter Harriet Torrey. Harriet, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks. 
And that's what's news for this Wednesday afternoon. We'll be back tomorrow morning. If you like our show, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Anne-Marie Fertoli for The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for listening.